everyone, and welcome to a returning episode of Scene Partners Podcast. We're here and we never left. That's true. (laughs) Returning. (laughs) Where are we returning from? Hey, you know what? Last time we talked about joy. Did you find it? I did find the joy. I found the joy everywhere I looked for it, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. It's kind of like one of the fun things about it. Triple digit heat waves, your AC broke. Yeah, but you know what? Finding the joy in your AC breaking in a 100 degree heat wave is that somebody was kind to us and gave us four window units. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. So even though it sounded like an aircraft carrier in my house for literally 32 days (laughs) while we were waiting for it to be... Repaired, we still were able to be in our house. Yeah. I really don't know what we would have done. Like, I have no clue. Yeah, there's no way you could afford, like, in a situation like that to be in a hotel room that long. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to go out and spend. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know how much it would cost to buy five, four window units. It's insane. Yeah, you'd you'd probably be spending about the cost of so having someone come out and repair and repair. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. But, you know, now we're back. We're able to actually sit in this room and do the podcast where we weren't able to sit in this room for the last month. Yeah. <laughs> because of heat exhaustion. So I, <laughs> an indoor heat, heat exhaustion. Well, that's nice. Is this You've heard of hot like, yoga. How about hot pod? Mm, I don't like that. I kind of do like it. I kinda <laughs> 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 so we have been working on a whole bunch of stuff. And yet it feels like we are doing nothing. It does. Like it feels like we're doing everything and yet it feels like we're not doing anything. And I've been trying to figure out what that is. Do you feel the same way? Uh, Yeah. It feels like nothing and everything all at once too. Yeah. I guess because we're not necessarily like we, we don't have a date for our next show and we are like planning it, but we're not in the like thick of it necessarily. Mm -hmm. And we're doing a show right now, technically, but we're not a hundred percent responsible for the show because it's a co-production. Like it's something that we're pairing up with the symphony, which is great, but I I don't know. It's, I I guess because the stress of it is different. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I will say it's been interesting um, watching you learn the exercise of you're not completely in control of something. Oh my gosh. And especially when something is this immensely precious to you as it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause we're doing Romeo and Juliet and uh, we're pairing that with the symphony. And so the symphony is going to be playing. I believe that the way that you pronounce the composer's name is Prokev. Prokev. Something like that. Um, And... (laughs) Something like that. <laughs> the face that goes with it. <laughs> um, I'll just I'll I'll take a picture of myself saying it and I'll make that the title. Yeah, yeah. Photo that'll be the thumbnail. This, yeah, that'll yeah. be the thumbnail for this for this podcast. Um, so they're going to be playing music from the ballet, and we're going to be doing the scenes that accompany the music, which is really kind of neat. It's a it's a neat exercise, I guess, of hearing. You know, like what is the emotion and the environment that can be built with music, which I feel like we put a lot of emphasis on in our shows anyway. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, it's a really cool opportunity to be able to do Shakespeare and work with the symphony at the same time. I don't feel like a lot of, well, I mean, here especially, there's not like a full symphony accompanying any shows. No. And not that we're doing like a full-fledged show per se, but... You know, they, we, we do not have, even with um, shows that have like live music involved mm-hmm. with them, 
we definitely don't have like the full, what is it, the 60 some odd piece? Like the orchestra pit? Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, no, I mean the like only, the full orchestra, like what is there, 60 some odd members in the orchestra that we have here? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I, I don't actually know the full number. Um, I mean, the only place that I can think of actually that does um, music outside of, you know, like Broadway, <laughs> um, where they can afford to pay for an entire yeah. orchestra bit. Um, is in Texas, mm. and I think it is the Dallas Theater Center, and they do, and I might not be right on the on that it's the Dallas Theater Center. Somebody will, I'm sure, send me a message and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but they do a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical every year, and they put it with an entire, like they they have an entire they like an I guess you would call it an entire orchestra. Mm-hmm. I guess is what you would call it, like a full. Full orchestra. They do it with a full orchestra. I don't know the full science behind the orchestra. I think there's like a 66 up to an 88 piece yeah, or something like no that. Clue. And it's just depending on how many string instruments and maybe like violin chairs and stuff that you have. And that yeah. I could be totally off base with this. Well, it would be really cool to, I've always wanted to go and see one of the musicals that they do there just because, you know, they don't really write music anymore, or at least in any modern day musicals that I can think of that has that many orchestra members Mm -hmm. you know that many musicians that many uh instruments and so it would be really cool to hear all of that at once you know with with people i mean that's just got to be some kind of energy you know but i've never seen anyone have like a full pit just for a straight play either so it's kind of interesting to like i'm wondering that there's a part of me that's like oh this is going to be really awesome or i don't know (laughs) right um, just because we we don't know. I mean, I did something like this similar in Chicago, but that was a very different kind of thing. So it was still with the symphony and it was Shakespeare and it was them playing music from the ballets, but it was just still different. So mm-hmm. it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes here. But yes, it has definitely been a lesson in um, letting go for me just because I cannot, like, I don't know what it's going to actually be like because I'm not, you know, I'm not the maestro. So I'm more or less like the hired help that's there to do this thing. Because, you know, we are basically essentially making vignettes uh, in the scenes to sort of accompany the uh, chosen musical pieces that are going with it so that we tell the co- a very brief, cohesive uh, through line. Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting trying to put something like this together, and it's been very confusing talking about it to people because they're like, wait, I don't understand. So you're doing the full version of the play. <laughs> I was like, no. And they're like, but the symphonies, like this is an opera. Like, what are you doing? I was like, no, it's not an opera. Like they're, <laughs> they're going to play like the opening. A Shakespearean operatic. Yeah. I mean, they're no, we're going to, we're going to act. <laughs> we ain't singing opera. No music is going to be sung. It's just being played. But, you know, like in the beginning, so basically what I try to do is say, you know, the symphony is going to play the scene whenever Romeo and Juliet meet each other from the ballet. Mm -hmm. And then as that's wrapping up, we are going to be performing it. And hopefully it will all flow together. So they'll get to hear it and listen to it and, you know, feel how the composer, you know, thought that it should sound like. And then they're going to get the chance to actually see it the way that Shakespeare wrote it. So... I mean, and when I say the way that Shakespeare wrote, I mean the way that I cut the, the stuff that Shakespeare yeah. wrote. <laughs> well, it is interesting from an actor's perspective because this is 
really the first time I've been just an actor on something in like a hot minute. But um, not having the full uh, two hours to work through all of the emotions that you need to for a full show to like Mm -hmm. arrive at that point. And it's like you have 35 minutes, get in there and get to the point, basically. Yeah. So like when Josh and I were talking about it, it was so he's he's doing he's like, I got like around 45 minutes worth of music. So how how long do you need to be able to tell the story of Romeo and Juliet? And in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, this is like a four or five act play and (laughs) I'm not going to be able to do a 45 minute version of it if he's doing 45 minutes because this is all supposed to be happening in the second act of the show. So I guess I can do it in 30 to 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sat down to like actually cut it and then kind of like geeked out a little bit because I was really excited about it. So I like sat down and I like looked up the second quarto from it. And, you know, if you don't really know a whole lot about Shakespeare um, and I'm talking about it like everybody does, but the there are different versions of Shakespeare's original text. So you have the folio, which is basically a, a portfolio of all of his work. So after he died, he was one of the first playwrights, I think, if not the first playwright, where the actors who had done his stuff, mostly I think Richard Burbage is one of the people that headed it up, um, all got together and brought all of his plays in that they could, and they bound them together into a book. And so that it would, you know, hopefully stand the test of time. And there were some of his plays that didn't make it in there. Um, I don't remember the number of them, but most, for the most part, they did. But in the original folio text, you find like errors and stuff in the plays, which are really kind of interesting. Like in Hamlet, Hamlet dies more than once. And in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo dies more than once. Do you know why? I mean, who amongst us, right? Do you know why that is? I I don't. So it's really interesting. It's very interesting. (laughs) This is my assumption that everybody else loves this as much as I do. But so what they would do back then is if, you know, like Shakespeare wrote Romeo and Juliet. So this is going up. It's performing at the at the Rose or whatever. And everybody's super excited about it. And the other theaters are seeing that this theater is selling out all the time and everybody wants to go see this play. It's the new hot play. So they'll send somebody in there to watch it like all day long. Mm. And then they would leave and write it all out from memory. And sometimes there would be mistakes. (laughs) I see. So in most likely with the portion of the play where you have bits and pieces of it that are kind of like, Oh wait, what's going on here? And sometimes you can kind of see it if you're really familiar with Shakespeare like, oh, this must have been something from someone else that like accidentally got integrated in with his original text. It doesn't necessarily sound right. Maybe it doesn't scan the same way. So, you know, I mean, it's a 400-year-old text. It's crazy. So, but anyways, so most likely that's what happened. Somebody went in there and wrote it all down from memory. And this is what we have now. Romeo dies, but then he comes back. And so does Hamlet. I mean, that's interesting. I think the only thing I think that you could do with that is maybe Hocus Pocus. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, but anyway, so whenever you're looking but at it. Could you imagine, though, you, you go and you watch something all day and you're, you're basically trying to commit everything to memory, yeah. line for line. 
but so they the could have done could've... that a little bit better back then because language was so important to them. True. You know, like their brains were so tooled to it. Whereas now, you know, like an average sentence in Shakespeare can be anywhere between 55 words to 125 words where ours are five and 10. Yeah. And actually they're getting less now because of texting. So like we're not even doing a full five Plus, word sentence. We're definitely using less of our brain computing and problem solving power because we walk around with, you know, supercomputers yeah. that are doing everything for us. And I encounter grown people all the time that still can't <laughs> seem to Google anything. Yeah. And then there's, you know, artificial intelligence. So there's just so many other things that help us think. Um, but anyway, so whenever I was looking at cutting it, I knew that using the original folio text wasn't right. And I knew that um, the th there are different quartos of it where people have gone in and kind of saw some of those errors and fixed it and like through research. And I actually can't remember the guy who, um, I can't remember this guy's name. He was a Duke or something that like bought the original folio or something and did all this work, but, oh, well, look at me. Can't remember. Um, <laughs> shame on me. But, uh, there are different quartos of the folio. So it's, it's kind of like how there are different versions of any translated work. So, mm -hmm. um, where people have gone in and kind of like found the best parts of everything and put it all together. And so the second quarto is the thing that you want to use. Um, and not the third quarto because the guy who was, writing or redoing the third quarto apparently he was like a alcoholic and made a lot of his own judgment calls <laughs> so <laughs> you don't want to can you imagine that though you're like all right you it is your job to retranscribe all of shakespeare's works i imagine this is what they sound like um and when you're finished we're gonna sell it to the world and this guy's like okay I'm going to make some changes. I appreciate that Mark Twain hired this person to do that. <laughs> well, of course he did. Um, How do you think the alcoholism began? <laughs> exactly. Um, it's basically, yeah, it's Edgar Allan Poe did it all. That's, that's the whole problem. <laughs> right. But it's so interesting to me, especially when you get to uh, millennia old text, mm -hmm. sort of like that, that different translations and how you, obviously this is all English, right? But when you start to, contextualize and localize the language to different people groups or, you know, different uh, cultures, even that some of that gets a little wonky with the translations mm -hmm. when you localize and stuff. It, it's so interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a very cool, very cool thing. I also just, I, I like that it's kind of the exact same thing that I don't, I don't know, like in the early nineties or late eighties, whenever Disney was having all that problem with the animators adding in their own little Easter eggs. Yeah. It's kind of like, that's what the dude in the third quarto did. He was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put a little bit of this in there. <laughs> that's just, that's just mine. We'll see if anybody notices. <laughs> you know, this is perfect, but I think it could use a pinch of salt. I could, yeah, and I'm going to do that and then pass out. <laughs> but anyway, so I like cut this whole thing and in the way that uh, like trying very hard to, even if, you know, the symphony wasn't there and playing it, that the show itself would still somehow make sense. You know, like if you were looking at this from the outside and you just watched this 35 minute version of, of it, then you would be like, Oh, I get it. I get it. I know the story, which was very hard. Um, but I think, and, and even, even now though, I'm like listening to it and I'm like, I forgot to add in this insanely famous line. <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure that there have been many times when you are watching this and thought I should add that back in or I should add that back in. Yeah. It's also times that I think that you guys are messing up. It's very interesting. So I'm like listening to you and I'm like, why didn't you say that? Oh, that rest of that line. I, <laughs> I cut the rest of that line because we don't have any time. Yeah. Um, I would love to add stuff back in. We were fortunate enough to be able to have a little bit of extra time and add it in a scene that I think is going to be really, really good. Um, that's become one of my favorite moments of the play that, you know, just kind of adds in the reason and the conflict for Juliet to make the decisions mm-hmm. that she makes. And I'm very thankful that that happened and that it all worked out that way and that we started working on this early so that we could put that together and put that in there. But um, it has been really fun getting to work in Shakespeare again. It's been a super long time. I actually can't remember the last time that I did Shakespeare performed it. So this is really, really cool to be able to do it again and then to do it with people that are awesome and really into it and to get to sword fight. That's also really cool. Yeah, that's great. I, but I think it's a lot of feeding off of your passion for it. I think that us as performers, we can all kind of agree, like we want to make you proud <laughs> and do right by the text, obviously. But you I, know, I felt like you were going to say, we don't want you to jump up and scream and <laughs> run around and no, you're going to do that anyway. <laughs> so like, why not just go for the stars? <laughs> it's just like, if, if I don't say this right, he's going to make me say it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just did that to you once, I think. That tips with silver, silver, all, all these, these fruit, fruit trees, trees tops. tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. Um, that wasn't the line. <laughs> I don't. No, think I'm I'm line. well aware what the other line was. Uh, <laughs> but you got to show up and see the performance <laughs> to see if I nail it or not. I do really love that line though. That that tips with silver, all these fruits, fruit trees, tops. Yeah, that's what it's trees tops. It's awesome. That's that alcoholic adding in that extra S yeah. just to see if anybody is like, somebody's <laughs> going to actually do this thinking it was Shakespeare. Idiots. Got him. <laughs> That's why all those words are misspelled. But I will say, <laughs> like, that is one thing. I wasn't super kind to you guys because I was kind of a purist about it and I left the language the way that it is originally written, which is pretty difficult if you're not used to reading it because they spelled words differently. They said words differently back then. And so there are like certain letter substitutions for things. And so it's just very interesting now, like after going through that, like that first reading, I think we sat down and everybody looked at it and it was like terror. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. Yeah, Cause it had been a long time since I had Mm -hmm. seen it written in that way. And I thought, Mm, hang on. Yeah. Give me a minute. <laughs> and it's interesting to um, like seeing, I guess just because I kind of forgot, you know, you can get very overwhelmed within the language of Shakespeare. And so seeing people perform it and go through and, you know, starting fresh or for the first time or whatever, and how overwhelming it can be to your brain. It's almost like your brain will shut down. Like if you start going down the wrong path. Oh, for sure. Your brain just like it's it's like it just grinds to a halt. It it's just, very word specific. <laughs> and like all of the techniques that you and I typically employ in that I don't remember the line, but I know where it's headed. Yeah. And I'll loop around and get to it. Yeah, no, that doesn't that work. is not, you know, something that you can just like mm-hmm. use in your toolbox for this. I do think, you know, there was a whole lot of things within my actual theater education when I was going through it that I was like, Oh my God, this is the worst. It's so stupid. I'm never going to use it. Um, but I will say that I'm very thankful for the education that I got just because, you know, I would have probably never really done that much Shakespeare. 
True. And the fact that it was kind of a huge part. I mean, that was like the, you know, at, at OCU, that was like the biggest thing was classical works. So performing Shakespeare was a really big deal. And that was kind of all because of Lance Marsh, who was the director of the, or he still is the, the director of theater there. And he just is very passionate about it. It was very, very smart guy. I remember we were doing a show and he was, he wasn't directing it, but he was verse coaching it. Um, and which would be so interesting to like a verse coach, whenever you're performing Shakespeare is somebody that literally is off to the side and is making sure that you're saying the words appropriately, that you're doing your, you know, that you're doing your stresses and your unstresses correctly because it's written in I am at pentameter and, um, that you have an understanding of what the words actually mean. And so they kind of not necessarily direct you, but they are going in there and like some people call them a verse nurse. They like go in there and they like fix the problems within the, (laughs) (laughs) in the, in the verse lines. Um, but he came up to me, we were doing the Scottish play and I was, uh, I was really butthurt because I was all but told I was going to be playing Mac. Mm. and I um, went down, like we had done the auditions and I had spoken, like the director had spoken with me. Um, and so I was really like all in thinking that I was going to be him. And so I went downstairs uh, to look at the callback board and my name wasn't on the list for callbacks for the show at all. And so I went into, like I just, I, I, I like swallowed that pill <laughs> And went into the director's office who was directing the show and was basically like, look, I understand there's no hard feelings or anything. I'm not upset about it. Or, I mean, I'm upset about it, but I'm, I will get over it. But I really just want to be a part of this production. So if you're looking for an assistant director, if you need any help on that stuff, I'd love to be a part of it. And he's like, what do you mean? This was also like an hour before callbacks. And he said, what do you mean you're not on the callback list? And I was like, I'm not called back. And he's like, yeah, you are. You're on the callback list. So my name's, my last name's Walker, and Mm -hmm. I did not make it. I was at the very last. (laughs) And so whenever he sent it, when he sent the, he did, he he showed me the email. He's like, this is what I sent to the stage manager. It was like, I said, you realize this is a second page. So I was the only name on the second page that didn't get put up. So I had an hour to prep for callbacks. Other people had three days. And I went in there and not that I'm still to this day making excuses for that, (laughs) but I went in there and did my best. I mean, I did my best to get off book as much as I could for an hour, you know, it was, and in my mind at the time, it felt like such a huge deal. Like in college, I was like, this is going to be the performance of my life or whatever. Um, but anyway, long story short, I ended up not getting the role. And afterwards, I remember the director coming up and just being like, yeah, it just didn't seem like you really, uh, like you didn't prepare. You didn't know all of it the way that other people knew it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I was like, all right. But I still ended up getting, you know, just kind of like what I always tell people when they're upset about roles that they got. Like the role that I got in that show ended up being my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being, I was so glad that I was not Mac. And I was able to really enjoy the show and experience it in such a better way with the role that I got. And it taught me a really big lesson of making the best out of a situation because he cast me in that show as Lennox, which is like a Lord in the play. And 
I still went to every rehearsal because if you wanted to, you could go to any rehearsal. And just the fact that I was there, they ended up re kind of envisioning the way that the show went. And so it was like me and the guy playing Ross and the guy playing Angus, we absorbed all of these Lords and they, cause they had cut them and we kind of turned them into our own characters. And, um, we were in every single scene. So it was like, we were still on stage all of the time and it became kind of like us being the ones that saw the downfall of Mac and everything. But it was just really cool because we wanted to be there so much. And then it ended up kind of changing the entire production on accident, you know, anyway, um, Lance came up to me after my, like I had this really big monologue and he came up to me and he gave me all these critiques about it. And I was like, in my mind thinking you're just mad because you're not directing this show. And so you're trying to direct me and I'm doing it perfect. (laughs) 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 And I'm not going to change a damn thing. (laughs) Oh God. Um, and I remember going up to the director and this was kind of at the time was, you know, this was so crappy, but I went up to the director and I was like, this is what Lance told me. And then the director reiterated what I was thinking. And essentially, like, made me not like Lance as much. But it was because that director was, uh, what's the word? He felt inferior in a way, I guess, Mm. to him. And so then it was like he got me on his side. (laughs) It was just very interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't mature enough at the time to understand what was going on, obviously. And anyway, it's just different. But basically all that to say trust your people (laughs) (laughs) like I should have trusted Lance like this amazing you know this man with all this education and all of this experience and everything and I thought at the time well I know more than that I'm good I I know what I'm doing but I I still think I know this is ridiculous but I still think if I would have listened to him how much better would would I have been Mm -hmm. like I did such a disservice to myself for just being kind of a crappy person Anyway, I will say when you started that story, I thought you were going to say I wasn't on the callback sheet because nailed it in one. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that show, we performed that show a whole lot, but that's not what we're here to talk about. But it's it just that was yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, That was a neat experience. That was that was the show. We had all the weird stuff happen. I guess so. Um, because people did not respect the, the, the curse yeah. rather, but there's some cool, cool stories there. But, um, anyway, so I'm really excited to be doing Shakespeare again, basically is what all that I'm saying. And I'm thankful for my education because talking with, you know, going through this experience and speaking with people and, you know, it just, it kind of highlights, I guess, to me how happy I am that where I went to school put such an emphasis on doing Shakespeare this particular way. Yeah. Um, instead of just like, I don't know, like have fun. (laughs) Well, I think it's, especially, you know, in, in regards to your education there, I think it's important that we look at sort of the, the places we have come from as theater artists, Mm -hmm. correct? What good does it serve yourself as a performer or a community if you keep doing the same 11 shows in rotation all the time, but also, you know, you say this all the time at rehearsal, 
this could be the first time someone sees this or this could be the first time someone has seen this in a decade, 15 yeah. years, 20 years. And that to me is so interesting too, because we don't have, I would say a wide range of like art that we're able to perform mm -hmm. in this area and, or it's not, not just us performing, but is available. Right. And it, I, I don't understand how, you, you can just see it in textbooks in school and they approach it from a very academic standpoint. And I just think I agree with you a hundred percent because you say this all the time that that's really the wrong approach to really look at it. Yeah. Shakespeare is meant to be performed. It's meant to be seen. It's not meant to be read like a novel. Yes. And so uh, treating it like it is a piece of literature is just, you know, and 14, 15 year old kids do not care. No, they do not. They get super lost. I mean, even while going through this stuff, it is very easy to get lost. And it's one of my favorite things about directing Shakespeare is the uh, seeing the aha moments of the actor whenever you just make them slow down or give them, I guess I shouldn't say make, but give them the opportunity to slow down and really think about that one particular line and how it informs everything else. And then just at first, it's always the, the at first of like, I don't understand what you're saying. And they're just like, just slow down and think about it. <laughs> like say the word slowly, find it. And every time it's like, you just see it go across their face. Just like this, this like a rainbow. <laughs> oh, 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 that's what, cause you said, that. oh my God. Yes. And then after that, they say the line and you're like, there it is. Now I understand the entire the entire speech makes sense now because of that one little tweak tweak. But you know, you're sitting in a high school or a junior high class and you're listening to other high school or junior high people read this out loud is misery. I oh, hated yes. Shakespeare in high school. <laughs> yes. And now I love it. I mean, I just, because it is meant to be performed, seeing good Shakespeare, there's nothing like it. We had an amazing rehearsal, our last rehearsal. And it was really cool seeing how pumped everybody was mm -hmm. because it was kind of like they, they felt it for the first time whenever they walked out the room. It was like, oh my gosh, like this is, you know, it's super hard to get and you have to be so incredibly specific and intentional with every single word. And I think that's kind of one of the things I love about it so much is that whenever you do finally get it all that hard work you put in of analyzing every single word and the order that they're in and why that is important why it's important that she says that um and not, uh, the thing about not to think that she has light love instead of loves lightly mm -hmm. you know like just thinking about that and coming up with a very specific reason as to why she put that in that order and then you get through the whole entire text and you're done and then you see it up there and everybody's doing it with the emotion and the physicality behind it. And it's like, oh, it's nothing better. But it's something else, too, I think, especially since we've chopped it up so much, is everyone is it's not like in another sort of Americanized straight play um, where you say your line, I say my line and it's back and forth, back and forth. You have mm -hmm. to act actually be actively listening oh you have got to what to they're there. saying because say she's talking about that love lightly thing and romeo has no reaction to it mm -hmm. then it's just oh well <laughs> there are two people on stage and she's performing and where is he at yeah and you have to think audience perspective wise 
they are listening to this. They don't hear Shakespeare very often and or at all. So if they don't, if she delivers a line and they don't necessarily understand it and they're going to then look at her body language, thinking about her emotions behind the words, if they still can't put two and two together, they're going to look to the other person mm-hmm. to see their reaction. And if their reaction is nothing because they're just waiting for their turn, <laughs> then they're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm out. I, Which I, I see out. on stage a lot. Yes. The, the waiting to speak. I mean, it's just like what we do in conversations all the time. It's just like, I'm, you're speaking and I'm just waiting for my turn instead of actively listening, you know, to what you have to say and giving you the time and the space. I mean, I struggle with this a lot. <laughs> oh, there's quiet. I can't take it. <laughs> but I try really hard especially to let you like finish a sentence sometimes. Like, <laughs> no, my favorite is when, tangent here is when we take a road trip and you were just giving these random facts <laughs> about the road over here is where they keep the grain over here is where so-and-so lives over here is where somebody's grandfather's mother's daughter like fell in that corn cobble one time. I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> just, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, take a trip. You just gotta, mm-hmm. you just gotta experience, experience the tour. Um, but anyway, I am very excited about it. It is going to be, let's see, we'll release this podcast Thursday. Yeah. Okay. So then it'll be on Saturday was whenever we open this. So it'll be really cool. You'll get to hear this and then you'll get to come see us on Saturday. That is true. At Coughlin Saunders. Um, so we talked a bit about Shakespeare. And that's been pretty great. And I'm sure that people are like, oh, okay, I mean, we need a little bit of a break. <laughs> Not saying that we're going to commercial break or anything like that, but wouldn't that be nice? Um, but I heard a lot about folio. <laughs> I, I do kind of wonder sometimes, like, how much in the beginning of this do we have people for the first, like, 10 minutes? And then they're like, oh, click. When's, yeah, when's, the, when's the next part of this conversation? Yeah. Um, just going to skip. 15, 15, 15, like skipping through there. <laughs> um, but there are some things that are coming up that I am really excited about. One thing is that we started this, uh, that we've started play on productions, which is really cool that we're doing more video productions and, uh, voiceover work and that kind of a thing. And that's really awesome. So I guess, do we say that scene partners is a play on productions? Uh, yeah, it's definitely under the umbrella of Play On Productions. Well, then, hey, there you go. So you didn't know it, but you've been listening to Play On Productions now for long time. <laughs> <laughs> Since September of 2020. I was about to say, like, we, I, I got like a notification not long ago that it had been four years or something like yeah. that. Since we, or almost, it was three years, maybe. Um, 2023, I guess technically we're starting our, we're, we're, we're moving into our, our fourth, fourth year. year of scene partners and we're starting our fifth year as, because we're ending, we just hit four years yeah. to play on. So then we'll be going into five years as wild. Um, five years of casting myself in every play. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. Um, you didn't make it in Orient Express. That's true. I don't think I've ever actually cast myself in any plays also. And I don't think I ever <laughs> saw you once in Tuna. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's probably very true. Um, that's such a nice compliment of you to say. 
Okay, so, um, but I'm really excited about Play On Productions. I mean, we just did, uh, we were, you know, I, I think we're very blessed that we have so many friends who are artists and who are very willing to allow us to have crazy ideas and and to see where that goes. And so luckily, you know, we have Aubrey Bolin, who is this amazing artist in town and supporter of the arts. And, you know, he's helped out on, I, I would say in almost every one of our shows, there's something. Oh, absolutely. There's even if it was just like a phone call for my sanity or whatever. Um, but he is, you know, played a role in it and he does that for so many people. He's just incredibly talented. He's a, like, a he, he like does so many things. Like I, I wish that he was here, but he would be way too nervous to actually be on the podcast. Oh, he would never. Um, but I mean like built furniture, is like this. He awesome restored um, uh, antique furniture. Yeah, yeah, and he's this awesome woodworker, and is also an amazing ceramic artist and painter. He just like does everything. I just like I want to be Aubrey. <laughs> well, it's so interesting to see him speak on his artwork, mm-hmm. and that he thinks that it's not great or he hates it, and he's his own oh, critique he's just there. An artist. You know, well, yeah, artist and. Thing. You know, we're looking at this thinking that is freaking incredible. And I'm sure that our friend Josh, a lot of times with his photos, he goes, oh, I wish that this would have turned out better. But who among us, yeah. you know, is art ever done? Yeah, I think that that's the, just the artist is, it, it's the artist trap or the trap of an artist mm-hmm. is that you just, you always see what could have been and you spend so much time with it that you're like, oh. Well, I should have been able to fix that little bitty thing. Why didn't I just, I should have just kept this a little bit longer yeah. and then it would have been perfect or whatever. But you always, always will find the imperfections, I guess. But it is kind of interesting, like being in his studio and you're like, oh my God, what is that? That's amazing. And he's like, ugh. This is from an art show. Nobody wanted it. So it must be know. ugly. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> this was like, great on my wall. Like, oh my God, are you kidding? Um, anyway, he's just, he's an amazing man he's very very humble that's the other thing which you don't necessarily always find in the art world mm-hmm. and i mean that in every aspect of the art world performing everything so um but he allowed us to have this idea and to actually see it to to its end with doing a promo video for his last show that's actually still up at river oaks so if you're in the central louisiana area or you like to drive you should go to River Oaks Art Center and see Saunter. And I think it will be available through the middle of October or through the end of October, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Um, but anyway, it's a really amazing show. I mean, he just, he you can just see so much of, kind of what we were talking about with Shakespeare, like everything is so intentional and he really, truly loves it. Like I loved going to his show and seeing all of his little touches that mm-hmm. he threw in there, you know, like I'm going to put the compass on the floor of the art gallery, like just adding the, li- the little things are always what draws my attention anyway. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to bring in some pieces of actual wood, like from the, from the trail that I painted, you know, even <laughs> like, his, um, uh, you know, little, uh, finger food displays yeah. were all like pine cone yeah, it was all natural shaped and stuff. yeah it was so good it just all works together so well i think it's just whenever you have a clear vision and you know exactly what you want and you have i guess the ability to see it to uh to its to its end um it's just amazing and 
anyway, I just, I respect the hell out of him. That's for sure. But it was nice that he trusted us to be able to do uh, the video yeah. for him. And that was awesome. I mean, it was such a fun experience. I think, you know, for you and I, I mean, I know I had a lot of fun just being able to kind of, I guess in a way, tell his story of his artwork, mm -hmm. and like his process. Um, and I mean, I, I guess if we were really telling the story of his process, it would have been like, you know, a, a mini series <laughs> but, <laughs> right. because he's just so awesome. But it it's still like we were able to capture something that I thought in the end I was incredibly proud of. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, made me very excited to continue to do more things like that, you know, to kind of pivot a little bit. I mean, you know, like our lives are so our lives are so much different now and not saying, you know, theater will always be there. We'll always be producing things, yeah. but it's just being a little bit more intentional with that stuff. And I think we kind of touched on that a little bit last time of, you know, we're, we're preparing, we're doing all these things for shows that are coming up in the future. We just don't necessarily know when they are, mm -hmm. but I kind of feel like when I'm ready to do it, it, the door will open, Yeah, you know? And I, I guess that's, it's kind of like, when we did To Kill a Mockingbird, or really when we did any of the shows, like Christmas Carol, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Little Women, like every single one of those, it happened because we had the perfect people. Yeah. For the most part. You know, like we, we might have had to look for a couple of people and keep our fingers crossed that some people showed up. <laughs> well, it was, but for the most part, with Little Women, it. it was about, you know, we wanted to do this show working with this person. Yeah. And Holy crap! This person has moved back into town. Yeah. Holy crap! This person is in for the summer. Holy just crap! This, it, yeah, place. it's just we could not have asked yeah. for better vocalists. It's like as we're the, gonna for women do this. We're gonna get to do a show with Aline playing the music, which I'm like would not have been able to do that show without her at all. And I don't know. I, I will always hold that show in such a special place in my heart because of the story. And the like moment in our life and everything and just mm -hmm. how it all just kind of fell into place in such a perfect way. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird was a little bit heavier just because we started it during COVID and then that did not happen. <laughs> I think what did we did like the read through the we day did the before. read through. Yeah, we did the table read and the next day it was locked out. Everything is shut down. Yeah, we weren't leaving the house. Um I really need to delete that horrible YouTube video of me. <laughs> you could have <laughs> used an editor. <laughs> yeah, I could have. That was that was not. Ooh. But you know what? That is something else too. Um, I want to touch on. You know, speaking of needing an editor, when we were doing the video for Aubrey, mm -hmm. we had bounced a couple of ideas and we grabbed so much footage. Um, yeah. That uh, when it started to get time to sort of sift and distill it down to its core. And there were like two cuts that we released and ultimately the, the decision came down to does this take away and does this add? Yeah. And, you know, we released the cut that was obviously released, probably should release it on. I know we put it on Instagram, Facebook, maybe to our website. I don't know. Oh, it's not on our website, actually. But that's kind of one of those things that I need to also add to our play on theater I need, we need a play on productions thing. Okay. But <laughs> what a nice production meeting we've just yeah, had. Right? Now I was like, oh, I guess I need to do that. All that to say, like coming, coming down the pipeline, just thinking of, Hey, 
these things fall in place perfectly all the time. Sure. But it, we have to also make the decision on what is that best mm-hmm. sort of idea and, and working through sort of those production meetings and talking yeah. and all of those things is so to me invigorating and uh, for a summer that has been a little bit hellish on the, uh, uh, working front. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just been hot and miserable and I yeah, don't just think hellish and all of it. Yeah. Ways. Um, but all that to say, I, it's just been sort of restoring for my soul personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of felt that way too. Whenever we were, you know, just finding new ways to tell stories is always great. Mm-hmm. And then seeing it and doing it in what I would think would be very successful. I mean, I thought that we did what we set out to do. So that's success for me. Um, that is incredibly rewarding and I will update the website. (laughs) 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 It was like, that's kind of amazing. That didn't even occur to me. It's just really cool though, that we haven't even really done that, but we've, you know, it's just that like putting things out there into the universe. And I do think, you know, the last podcast that we did, we were talking about just leading with positivity and being more positive. And I have been really trying to do that. And, all aspects of my life. And it is kind of amazing the stuff that comes back to you whenever you do that, whenever you actually like give yourself over to that and, you know, put positive things out into the universe and then you put the things that you want from the universe and then it kind of like comes to you in a way. Um, Maybe not in the way you thought, but it does, you know, if you're just looking for it, I think it's that thing of I'm really, really upset that my air conditioner has been out for 32 days, but look, I I have this kindness happened and yeah. I am able to still be in my house. <laughs> so, you know, it's just focusing on the good instead of focusing on the bad. And here we are again today. So, um, play on productions is awesome. And Hey, you have another thing that we haven't really announced yet. Have we not? No, I don't think that we've really like put it out there that, and you and I actually need to talk about that because we got a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I, is really a production meeting now. Yeah, right. Um, I looked at the calendar and I was like, it is September. Yeah, we need to schedule your auditions. We need to schedule your auditions for Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, yeah. Have you looked at that script at all? Because now this is really a production meeting. I have it at the house. That was my plan That's for enough. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm very interested to see what you come up with that. It's kind of like, uh, straight facsimile. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like talking to Aubrey because I want Aubrey to come up with his own thing for sets for Anne Frank. And mm-hmm. we wanted to work with him as our set designer because he's so good at it. And even though I really enjoy, and I feel like that's kind of a big part of my directing process, so I think it's also kind of shaking it up a little bit for me to not have maybe as big a say in the creation of it. And mm-hmm. so I would like getting back to, you know, the way that it probably should go of trusting an artist to come in and be like this, what is your vision of this? Me being me saying, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I want it to look like. These are the things I want it to evoke. This is my concept. Let me see what you come up with. And I love that, even though it kind of scares me a little bit, which I think is also why I love it. Um, because of the things that I would have never thought of, you know? Yeah. Um, and what is the new thing that he has that I wasn't thinking of that he can put into effect 
or that I can build upon, you know, like how can we make our ideas work to the best of their ability, which is why I'm really excited for your version of a Christmas Carol, because I mean, this version of a Christmas Carol is so good. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I do really love the play. And so I'm just very interested in being like, what is it going to be? No pressure, but I'm really, <laughs> really because you could go so many directions, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, to a certain extent, just because of the nature of, of the way that this is adapted. I mean, things move super fast. Yeah. You have to have a really good ensemble. And so some of the decisions are, are like, OK, how do I make this ensemble work and all of these multiple locations work? And what is this going to look like? And um but I'm just kind of assuming that I'm working with you on that, but yeah. I'm being your set designer. <laughs> well, yeah, because we're we're putting this up at the f- yeah. This is a fo- okay, the Fox is, sure. yeah. This is the Fox Theaters production. This is not play on, even though those lines seem to get blurred yeah. quite often. But no, this is this is for the Fox. Um. So yeah, let's schedule the let's schedule that. Yeah, let's uh, sit down <laughs> with a pen and paper. <laughs> Um, and maybe I'll actually make you something and make a post about it. So people will come and audition. Um, Oh, that was what I was going to say. Uh, sorry. Um, because people have been texting me asking like, Hey, what's the next show? When are the auditions for whatever you guys are doing next? And you talked, um, briefly once on here about how people have come to the website and thought this is very professional looking. Holy smokes. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't think that this would be a possibility because you guys, I thought were a very professional, not that we're not a professional, you know, theater company or anything like that, but, you know, having the video sort of adding to our cash, if yeah, you will. It's kind of a strange thing where we, I guess we are a professional theater company in the way that we're a company that's ran by professionals, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're not, you know, it's not like we have, we're not, we're not operating on any sort of like equity contracts or anything like that, which I think is how you pref- like, you define a professional company. Like you can't be a professional company. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you could be a non-equity company or an equity company. Professional community theater company. I, <laughs> I, I guess it's more or less like, are you, are, are you doing a show? I look at it like, are you doing a show for multiple weeks? Do you pay your actors a weekly rate? Do you like that's kind of the stuff that I look at it Mm -hmm. for. So, you know, we pay when we can pay, but sometimes we can't pay. And so it's kind of like it's but we're definitely not charging anyone to be a part of this club either. So it's it's so it's like we're different, but it's and we're not a community theater necessarily because we're not a nonprofit. So I guess, I don't know. I, I, I think about this quite a lot. Like what, how do you define it? Like, cause I get emails sometimes from people looking for internships or like graduating and wanting to come and be like, Hey, I would love to apply for a job in your scenic department. And that always makes me laugh. <laughs> like you guys, this is a really <laughs> like, we are a small community. And, uh, <laughs> if you've seen the iPod or the iPad sketches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes me feel really good that they look at our stuff and they have a feeling like, oh, I bet they have a scenic department. Like, that's really awesome. It was like, no, it's me and Chris in my pasture with a crowbar. Yeah. (laughs) 
but you know, I, I, I don't want to take credit away from what we do, but I think a lot of that can be owed to Josh for yeah, taking I mean, such great photos. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I was going through and finding some stuff for, um, for, uh, to, to send to the rapid symphony orchestra and like for them to advertise and, uh, was kind of building up some of my own graphics and stuff. And, just looking at those photos. I mean, it, it really is just, I, it makes me think either we did a really awesome job or Josh did an awesome job or we all did great. And so I'm just going to go with, we all did. Great. Yes. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> that, that makes it seem like we all, you know, we all got a hundred. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm, I am I'm very excited for your Christmas Carol and I hope people come and audition for it. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it, it is a beautifully classical, you know, speaking of, you know, classics and mm-hmm. doing those um, uh, story. And, you know, we haven't done this in since we launched and that really yeah, wasn't the intention. Years. We decided we were going to kind of maybe alternate this in and out every couple of years or something. Mm-hmm. And now it's been, I think, long enough that I think it can be back into the community yeah. and be fresh. Yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked for it. And it's also kind of different too, because we're doing it in a completely different parish. Um, and the people who were in it are now old enough to, when they were kids, they're now old enough to be like the love interests if they wanted to I come know. back, <laughs> which that, is just insane. You, we, uh, yesterday we had Lila who had played our scout mm-hmm. and I saw her she yesterday. She was also in Christmas Carol. Yeah, she was. But I was looking at her yesterday and I was holy smokes you like, are so freaking tall now yeah, you're just like a person all of a sudden <laughs> you're right? a young adult yeah it's kind of amazing i guess just working in this kind of community setting where you kind of just become a part of people's lives and you see all these people growing up and you're there for so much of it is it is kind of wild but i'm really excited for all that stuff i'm also excited that we got together and we're able to do this podcast today true and that there was fixed that, that we can keep on with the play on production. Yes. And that's exactly. <laughs> um, that's how I should have opened it. It was like, this is a scene partners podcast brought, brought to, to you by, by play on productions. <laughs> Pop. Our first uh, <laughs> paid, paid uh, sponsorship. But um, all that to say, I am really excited for the uh, play on productions and what we're, because we have a couple of more videos with a few of our friends who are also artists, mm-hmm. not in the same way that um, Aubrey is, but um, well, it's interesting just the people that have reached out and been like, can you do this for me? Yeah. What can you, you know, that's just, that's why I said I hadn't even thought about putting it on the website yet just because I haven't really had to. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know, sort of wanting to manifest it, cast out the net. Oh yeah. It's, that it's, we are available. This is what we want to be doing <laughs> yeah. instead of our regular normal day jobs. Me, me especially. Like this is, and, and I've, think it's all you know it's just always in the realm of possibility yeah um it's just putting that positivity out there that's right yeah that is and hey you know what what was the last we were talking about like how life changes and all that stuff and my daughter is like turning a year old that's true that's wild to me because now she took four steps yesterday oh that's so great it was great. Her her favorite toy is the thing that we use to throw the tennis balls for the dogs. It's this blue <laughs> like claw thing, you know, that like scoops tennis balls up yeah. and throws them. And it's her favorite thing. And she really wanted it enough to where she would take some steps. And I could hold it up so her head wasn't down. And she took like three or four steps. 
She hasn't walked since then, but she did a it. wealth of toys. She, <laughs> but I want the dog's toy. That is her favorite thing. I don't know what it is. I guess she can cast her spells with it or whatever it is that she does. Do you feel, and this is sort of a, I guess a deeper question, but do you feel, cause I feel this way in like, it's only been a year, but I feel as if she's always been there too. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't imagine her having not been there. Yeah, I mean, I feel all five of these years, but I feel the same way of like our friendship and it's kind of feels like I've always been in a relationship with my wife. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, right. There was a time when I wasn't and there was a time when I didn't know you, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, it just feels like this is the way it's always been. Yeah. It is kind of interesting how things come to your life and it just feels like they're supposed to be there. They've always been. You know? Yeah. It's like nice. the puzzle pieces just fit together perfectly. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, look at us. Little puzzle pieces. Okay. Well, listen, I got to go. And this has been... <laughs> You're kicking me out of your house. What do you mean you got to go? This is your home. <laughs> I got a lot of, I got a lot of later. Uh, website updates. Yeah. <laughs> we should just keep doing that from now on. Just have like a moment where, where, where it's like really deep and like, oh, I love you. I love you too. All right, I got to I got to get out of here. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the meta- metaphorical pat on the back. All right, good game. I'll yeah, see you, I'll yeah, see you later. Yeah. I got a whole website to build on our Play on Theater website. I got Play on Productions to work on. What what, what are you doing here? I got busy. All right, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. <laughs> this was a Play on Productions podcast.